Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 511. Not to be confused with 511 for those of you tactical guys out there. And today we're going to talk about a couple of special events coming up in the near future. Just going to dial it down a notch, step back a bit, talk about things that are going on that might be of interest. And we'll have a little extra content at the end when I wrap it up. Okay, first things first. The Collin County Patriots, in conjunction with the North Texas Hispanic Republican Club, are going to be presenting the movie Triple Take with the special guest, Matt Osborne. This is the documentary... That is the true story behind the movie Sound of Freedom that you may have seen this last year. You'll hear a firsthand account of events from Matt Osborne, the president and CEO, COO of OUR, which is Operation Underground Railroad. He's going to talk about the harsh realities behind human trafficking and what he has been doing and spend some time talking about Operation Triple Take. Now, this is coming to you on October the 30th. Yes, October the 30th at 6.30 p.m. We're going to be starting a little early at the Redemption Point Church. That's 107 East Lamar in downtown McKinney. Now, why do we do this? Well, the guy has been making his rounds. And obviously, there is some awareness that's been built off the movie Sound of Freedom. But it's important that you understand this is going on right here, right now, under our noses, all the way from the Texas border to Collin County. Now, you might have heard my buddy uh, Kyle Sims talk about this from time to time. He is his own presence online and in person. And if I'm uh, particularly uh, blessed, he will probably show up that night as well. Look, these are we've got a local activist. We've got a nationally known activist. They're coming in. They're here to talk about what's going on. Matt's going to be taking the stage. He's going to talk about everything that went on, what played out in this role, and then afterwards we'll talk. And, you know, I think you should avail yourself to this opportunity. You should hear the real life details and you should know exactly what's going on. And then if you've got time afterwards, you know, we we can talk to him uh, questions and see what he can tell us what's going on right in our own backyard. You may have heard uh, Sheriff Skinner's talked about some of these things going on in Collin County and the surrounding areas. It's stuff that we need to be aware of. We need to be paying attention and then throw in the whole mm, problem that we've got boiling over in the Middle East right now. You need to be aware, folks. This is about building awareness. This is about understanding what's going on. This is about your own safety, your own sanity, your family's protection. And and if you think I'm being uh, hyperbolic, I, I don't think I am, just based upon some of the crazy that we see go playing out in front of us. Now, I understand it's an uncomfortable subject. I, un- I understand it's kind of heavy. But this is a an opportunity that you should avail yourself to if you have not had that opportunity already. And our friends up in Grayson County, you are invited as well. I'm, I've already reached out to some of the uh, leadership up there to let them know that we'd love to have you guys come down and participate. And uh, 
avail yourselves to this opportunity. McKinney is really no further from most of Grayson County than driving up from Richardson. So that being said, I think that covers it. Oh, and before I go any further, let me remind you, the big difference that can happen is when you like, share, and follow this program. It makes a big difference. It builds the audience. It gets the word out. It gives us a platform where we can talk about the things that matter. We, we can spread the word and we can make a difference right here in Collin County in McKinney, Texas, and hopefully spread it throughout Texas. And as you may know, I, I spent a lot of time talking about Texas centric things. There is a whole lot of material that would be out there if I wanted to spend time talking about what goes on with national or international events. Lord knows I would like to know exactly what happened in Maui. I I still have lots of questions that haven't been answered regarding Nashville or for that matter, Las Vegas. But I leave that to national shows. I leave that to people that are closer to that action. I'm right smack dab in the heart of Texas. Just north of Dallas, all the action takes place in the triangle, if you will, that we all deal with on a day-by-day basis. It doesn't matter if you're in West Texas, South Texas, East Texas. Everything that happens in that triangle affects us all. And if you you doubt me, you hadn't been paying attention. While we're on the subject, special event number two, the Texit Con. That's right, the Texit Conference. It's coming up. It's November the 9th through the 12th. And honestly, I'm going to be there. I've been invited to participate. We're going to have a lot of top tier uh, speakers from Texas. You should come down and check it out. You can go to texitconference.com slash callus slash and you'll get $80 off the tickets. Check it out. That's the, you know, that was my uh, affiliate link that they offered me. And I think it's important that you should know more about this. I mean, it's, it's very easy to dismiss the idea. There's a whole lot of people that are fearful or fear mongering that it'll never happen. It can't happen. The feds will never allow it. That's all well and good. But if you going to have that defeatist mindset, if you're going to be fearful your entire life, you're never going to accomplish anything. So the Texas uh, nationalist movement, they're behind it. They're putting this on. It is the 9th through the 12th in Waco, Texas. I think it's worth your time. Go for a day. Go for all three. Check it out. Make the most of it. I guess 9, 10, 11, 12, four days. See, I can't even count. Three nights, four days. Check it out. It's in Waco. There's tons of information, places to stay. Come and join us. Now, I myself... I have to admit, I do have questions. I've been quite open about it. As you may know, I've dedicated more than (laughs) probably 10% of my episodes now at this point have been about Texas or an independent Texas. I'm proud of that uh, record. I, I think that's a good thing. I think people need to be able to discuss it in an adult manner. They need to visualize where does this go and you, can't, and you can't be scared off or afraid by some politician or some uh, family member or whatever that wants to dismiss you or call you a kook. No, you need to be able to have this discussion. You need to have answers. 
And the folks that are going to be at the TechSed conference, they're going to be able to give you those answers. They're going to be able to offer you ideas. They're going to make you feel confident and comfortable that this is a possible future. This is something that if we would just have the courage, it's obtainable. And again, it's November 12th or 9th through the 12th, Waco, Texas, the TechSed conference. And uh, there is a code, Callus 80 Save yourself a little bit of money if you're interested. Come and join us. All right. So I, I've done my due diligence. I've taken the first 10 minutes of my show to talk about the two big things that are going on in the background. So with my remaining time, I want to I just talk about a little bit. Just the common goings on, right? We live in a time where there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of concern. Uh, There's the eschatologists out there among us. They're convinced Jesus is coming back. There are the other eschatologists out there. I think uh, it'd be fair to say the preterists among us that believe all that stuff's already happened. Christ's second coming is going to be at some point, but not now. Those events or the majority of those events have already unfolded. You know what? I don't know. I I don't have the answers. And the interesting thing is, I don't believe they do either. And if you want to get into the the uh, down and dirty thing, you want to get you want to argue the rapture pre mid post. My my response is always been and I've had this discussion, this debate with family and friends. I choose to live as it's post. And I'll be ever so grateful if it's pre. But what's really even more interesting is that this theology, this idea that we're going to miss all the hard times are going to starts in like the 1830s. So it's kind of odd. It's kind of, kind of weird. So I've chosen to keep it in mind. The possibility exists, but I've chosen to look at it as things are tough. Things are likely to get tougher. Things are messy. Things are likely to get messier. But you know what? I'm going to be here. We are going to be here. And what are we going to be able to do? What are we going to be able to show for our time here on earth? God created this earth. He's given it to us to use to the best of our ability. And what are we doing? What are we leaving behind? Now, for me, my little bit of time that I can commit to this show, the the other little bit of time that I can commit to politics and quite frankly, just trying to make a difference. We joke about trying to save the Republic, but the reality is that's a lot bigger than any one of us. But if we all do our part, if we all stay active, if, if we're all just plain activists on a day-by-day basis and we interact with our family and our friends and our community, we make a little bit of difference. The pebble in the pond, if you will, that becomes a ripple that goes across the entirety of the pond. Or if you prefer, the butterfly that flaps its uh, wings on one side of the earth becomes a hurricane on the other side. You can't know what your specific actions do. You can't know everything that happens because of one thing that you chose to do. But what you can do is remember to do the right thing. What you can do is remember to stand for the right things. What you can do is to remember your morals and your principles and be there and do the right thing. 
Why do I bring this up? How is this related? Well, interestingly enough, earlier today I was listening to a program. Uh, Chris Ann Hall's husband, J.C. Hall, was talking about the idea of the pastors that stood up, right? They have they have a documentary out, and if you haven't seen it, it's Noncompliance to the Sheriff. Now, I know some people that, let's just say, are less than impressed with the uh, idealized view that the sheriffs have an immense amount of power. Whether it's real or imagined, it does make a difference. But what makes even a bigger difference is the pastors that stand for the right thing. The whole premise that, and the, again, the reason why I bring this up is every little thing matters. Everything that you do matters. And yes, I've touched on this material before, but it's, but it's indirectly related to both things I've just talked about right? Both events that are coming up are in part related to this. And why do I say that? Pastors are supposed to be shepherds of their flock. They're supposed to lead them in the ways of the Lord. They're supposed to teach them or reinforce the idea of right from wrong, if you will. They're supposed to give them the biblical ideals of which they're supposed to lead their lives on. Now, look, I know some of you are not Christians or some of you don't go that deep in, or some of you have another religion. That's okay. If if you want to tune out, I get it. I respect that. But just bear with me for a minute here. If you believe it's true, if you believe the words that are in there, the, the processes that are taught, right? The behaviors that are modeled, the actions that are taken, the idea that there's a separation of church and state It's true insofar as we don't want the state to dictate how a church should run, nor do we want a church to be the government. Now, that's the, I guess, scare quotes, Baptist view of looking at things. I know there are some other folks in different streams of Christianity or Protestantism that don't see it that way. Clearly, the Catholics have a interesting record on that. For that matter, so do the Orthodox churches. But again, bear with me. Every major improvement, all of Western civilization was based on or built on the things that were taught and impressed upon people by the church. Now, look, I know there was abuses. and I know there were negative things. And I know that you're going to play the what if game or what about game. And that's fine. But as a general rule, Europe and that civilization was based off of Christianity, based off of the enlightenment that came out of a exploration of Protestantism in Christianity. Now, again, this is a gross generalization. But one of the things that has been a reoccurring theme is who's ultimately in charge? Is it government or is it God? Now, every Christian out there should immediately be saying God, or they're not a very good Christian, in my opinion. But the reality is, is you're going to worship something or you're going to serve someone. And and the challenge is, is are you going to serve government or some other man, or are you going to serve God? Now, there are some libertarians out there that I'm familiar with that see themselves, if you will, for lack of a better word, as small G gods, right? They serve themselves. They're concerned. I get it. I do. I appreciate the mindset to an extent. 
But even you have to answer to somebody. You have to willingly submit to somebody. And again, this is material that in part I've covered before, and it all ties together. The church or the church leadership should be in an influential and commanding role in whatever community they belong to. I don't necessarily think they should be the mayor, the county judge, or a judicial judge. I don't necessarily believe that they should be the police chief or anything like that. But I think when people have needs and when people have concerns and when people aren't sure about things or they want to know what's the right thing, they should feel confident that they can go to the local church and get an answer. And it's going to be at least to some degree uniform and similar to what every other pastor would tell them, allowing for the variances and the different flavors of Christianity, whether it's Catholicism, Orthodoxy, or Protestantism. They're pretty much all on the same page on a lot of basic day-to-day living issues. So it's disappointing. It's, it's, it's frustrating when leaders of the church willingly submitted to orders by a usurping authority and they followed along with the idea that they were not essential. They were not important enough. And then they used that excuse to tell people to stay home as well. We have to follow Romans 13. Some of the more activist, this is the tie in here, folks. Some of the more activist pastors, some of the more activist people, they said, well, that's all well and good. And I can appreciate their concerns, but we serve God, not man. We obey God, not man. And the moment that man gets to dictate the terms which our church meets is, is a moment where they've exceeded their authority. It's where they've steered out of their lane, where they're at odds with God. And I myself am not going to facilitate that. I'm not good with that. I think that's a really bad idea. So when, when we have churches, when we have pastors that they're too busy playing buddy-buddy with the powers that be on earth, it seems to me that they fail to do their calling. They fail to lead their flock. They fail to protect their people. Now, what's interesting is the activist pastors out there on the left, they don't worry about any of this. They routinely dismiss that. They routinely lead activists to do things that, quite frankly, I disagree with, But I will at least give them credit for standing for their people and doing what they think is right, even though I vehemently disagree most of the time with what they're claiming is right. But why is it that, why is it these guys have that boldness? Why is it, why is it that these guys that run their churches seem to have no fear of the consequences? I want to know where our leaders are. Where are the good Christian, bold, for lack of a better word, conservative, evangelical leaders at? Where are the ones that are going to stand in the gap and are going to say and proclaim, this is the way it is, thus saith the Lord. This is what we ought to be doing. This is how you love your neighbor. Now you question me, well, why would you bring that up? Because right now we've heard for several years that the only way to love your neighbor is to go along with whatever crazy they've got. 
And yes, that's maybe a bad way to phrase it. But if somebody's mentally ill or somebody has a disturbance within their chemical balances in their head, you shouldn't placate them. You shouldn't go along with that. You need to encourage them to one, get right with God and two, get themselves checked out. That goes for a whole lot of other things. But the co- the notion that you're loving by dismissing people's sinful behavior is just lost on me. Likewise, if a mayor or a county judge or the governor tells you your church is not essential, you need to close, you need to lovingly tell them to step off. They don't have any authority over the church and the living God. They need to stay in their own lane. That we are apart from their authority structure. If you're not willing to do that, then I would suggest humbly that you need to reconsider, are you really fit to be a pastor? Now, I'm not suggesting you go pick a fight at every little thing. I'm not suggesting that you go argue minutiae about tax rates. What I am suggesting is when government in any form, at any level comes into your church and starts dictating the terms of which you can be open and which you can function and which you can say off the pulpit, you need to tell them to back off. You need to stay in their own lane. And that requires an activist. And that requires an activist element within your church. And that requires parishioners, for lack of a better word, that are going to have your back as a pastor. And I think the problem is, is all too many churches don't have people that are going to back their pastor. So their pastors knuckle under. Their pastors bow over. The pastors don't have the strength that they ought to have. It is circular logic. Absolutely. You can't have a good church, a strong church that's willing to back their pastor unless their pastor is willing to lead and take charge. Likewise, you can't have a pastor that's willing to lead and take charge unless he knows somebody's got their back. Somebody's got his back. When he calls out and when he stands up and when he intercedes and things, he needs to know his parishioners, his church body has his back. Let me ask you, do you belong to a church where your pastor knows that you've got his back? And I got to be honest, this is a shortcoming I have. I haven't told my pastor that I have his back, nor have I told any of the pastoral staff that I've had their back for quite some time. That's on me. That's something I'm going to be correcting. And I'm going to tell him as long as you're standing on the word of God and you're pushing back in the right places and you're keeping government in their lane, I got your back. And if they come looking for you, I've got your back. And if if you're going to be a leader worthy of following and emulating, I'm going to be that follower. I think that's a fair trade. I think that's probably a, a minimal standard that we probably should have established way back when. And as a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet it did exist way back when, but somehow in our suburban Christian ease. American culture, where we all got soft and comfortable, we failed to recognize that it won't last that way forever. We failed to recognize that sooner or later, we're going to be on the outs. I've used somebody else's analogy, and I wish I could remember who it is to give them proper credit. We went from a positive world to a neutral world to a negative world. Christianity and Christians in general are looked down upon. They are considered the enemy. They are considered to be the problem. They are considered to be the issue. 
you have to be willing to accept that. You have to be willing to hold your ground. Why do I bring that up? Or what is the direct collect or <laughs> direct correlation here? If our people are standing and doing the right thing, human smuggling, human trafficking, modern slavery, that stuff becomes extremely difficult to pull off. That stuff becomes extremely difficult to remain profitable. Because if you're remaining aware and you're paying attention, you're looking after your family, you're looking after your other body members, if you're, that sounded poor, sorry, other members within the body, if you're taking care to keep a watchful eye, it becomes more difficult. It becomes more challenging. The real impetus behind Texas independence, the Texas nationalist movement, is to build an independent mindset, to protect Texas, to put Texas first, to encourage people to think that we can do this. I don't know every goal other than Texas independence that they may have. I've talked about earlier in the week, different things along the way that we could achieve that may be enough or that would be a stepping stone. But none of that's positive, or I'm sorry, none of that's possible if you're not willing to stand, if you're not going to be willing to be bold. And if Christians can't be bold Christians, I can't expect Christian patriots to be bold either. You need to be educated. And when I say educated, I mean informed. You need to be aware. Ignorance is entirely fixable. Ignorance is correctable. Take the time. Learn about what's going on. Learn about your local area. Learn about your community. Learn about your local government. Learn about the bigger picture within the framework of Texas. And yes, you can't fix everything. But you can fix the thing closest to you. And if you and your friends and your church and your community keep working on fixing the things around you, sooner or later, that ripple becomes a wave. And that wave could potentially become a tsunami. There's not one person out there that's going to fix everything. There's not one person out there that is in ultimate control of everything. There is not one person out there that can make everything better. Now there's God in heaven who is more than capable of doing all those things, but for his reasons and in his timing, we're on our own at this point. We can call upon him for help, but we've got to do our part. We've got to be doing the work. So yeah, I realize this may be a little bit more religious than some of you are comfortable with. This is a little more not soft topics. I don't think I've ever been soft. And and the, the three disparate items I've tried to bring together to show there's a commonality there, to show there's an importance, to show there's an investment that we need to be making. The difference is up to you and I. What are we going to do next? Where are you investing your time? Where are you investing your efforts? We can make a difference. And with that, this has been According to Callus. I will see you on the other side.